0: This morning we continue our summer series, as Russ was telling you at the beginning of the service, in the book of Proverbs. And so I invite your attention to Proverbs chapter 3. In just a couple of minutes we'll, uh, we'll begin in chapter 3 of Proverbs. We said at the beginning of the series that one of the definitions for wisdom is the art of skillful living. Wisdom is not just the idea of receiving knowledge or receiving information. It's the idea of taking that and being able to put it into practice with daily life that we, that we live. And uh, throughout our series, we've looked at different topics, and uh, we've seen that, that Proverbs is a very practical book, and it, it helps us in, in many different themes. And we'll continue to do that, Lord willing, through the, uh, uh, through the remainder of, uh, of our summer series. Today, we're going to be looking at the topic of money, money and finance. And I think you'll agree that it is certainly a, an important topic for us, and being able to, uh, to learn from the word of God, as we said in, uh, in week two of our series, sometimes the Proverbs are structured in a way to give instruction, how to, how to have principles uh, for, for handling certain things, and uh, at other times they're, they're structured more like a warning. And uh, I think in the topic of money, we will see both. There is instruction. There are also warnings. There's some pitfalls that the Lord was gracious enough to, uh, to, to warn us about so that we don't fall into them. And so, so I think today, regardless of where we are, whether we, we come today and we think that, that we, uh, we come with very little or we come with, with a lot in terms of material resources, I think that, the, uh, that the, uh, the Proverbs we'll look at today will apply to each of us and will give us something to consider and to put into practice for His glory. I read that uh, uh, there was a a former pro golfer by the name of Doug Sanders, and he was talking about his financial condition. And he said this, he said, I'm working as hard as I can to get my life and my cash to run out at the same time. He said, if I can die right after lunch on Tuesday, everything will be fine. Maybe you're there. Maybe you can relate to what what he's saying. Let's look at chapter 3. If you remember, um, this is a book written by Solomon. Many of the Proverbs were addressed to his son. And so it's almost as if you can see a father or a parent giving instruction to a child, either from experience of having been down that road before, or in Solomon's case, just being given the wisdom that God gave to him, uh, as uh, as we uh, saw earlier in our series. But he addresses chapter 3 at the beginning by saying, My son. Do not forget my teaching. Let your heart keep my commandments. He talks about the blessing that is there. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. So he's saying if you, if you look at the instruction, if you look at God's wisdom, there is blessing there. It makes a difference in your life. It makes a difference in your lifetime if you stay close to the wisdom of God. If you continue looking down, verse 11 again, my son. So in the context of him speaking to a child there in the middle, as he he talks in verse five, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. We've looked at that verse already. Then you look down at verse nine and it speaks about finance and money and possessions. He says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty. Your vats will be bursting with wine. Speaking of the blessing that God would provide. But if you look there at verse 9, it says, Honor the Lord with your wealth. And so let's think today as stewards. That's really what we are. God owns it all. God owns everything. He has allowed us to be stewards, to be managers, and to do so in a way that would, that would be principled and in such a way that would bring Him glory. And so today as we think about the subject of money, we think about finances. Let's begin with the, with the question: How can we, regardless of what our financial state looks like today, how can we honor the Lord? How can we how can we uh, approach the the subject of finances and see what God has? We know that uh, that uh, that handling money isn't something that's easy. In fact, there's, uh, there are many challenges that are that uh, that come alongside with. With uh, with handling money, there are skills, there are disciplines that uh, that one needs in life, and so as we as we go through this, this passage today, let's see what the Lord may have for us. We know that that uh, that the handling of money doesn't just impact a an individual. Think of what it does in the life of the family if if the if the, the money management isn't isn't principled. Think about how it can impact a business if if the, the, the money management, the finances are not principled. You can think about it in, in each of these contexts, family life, business life, church life, every arena, including one's spiritual life. There are impacts on uh, on our walk with the Lord, even how we approach the, uh, the topic of money. So I think we would all agree that it's important for us, particularly in light of the nation that we live in. Um, you know that we are a nation of debtors, and we have... Uh, a, a large national debt, in fact, I, I checked just yesterday so I could get the the the, the up to date amount that we, as Americans have in our debt. I know that's, that's a hard thing to have to begin uh, the sermon with, but but uh, but it, it, it 's something we 're thinking about. How much do you think we as a nation owe? Has anybody looked at that lately? Any idea? trillions yeah, how many trillion exactly. Almost $20 trillion. And if you do the math, it gets even more discouraging when we think about how much of that is represented by each of us. It's a lot of debt, isn't it? And It's just—it's something that you look at and say, it's not sustainable, is it? We, we wouldn't run a household budget that way. We wouldn't run a, a church budget. You wouldn't run a business budget that way because it wouldn't be sustainable. But that's the, the mindset of a nation right now that, that needs direction with financial principles. And, you know, the Word of God speaks to the everyday life, the practical matters. And so I think today, as we look at different passages and proverbs, and of course, there's others that that we could bring in from from other verses, you know, uh, just in one uh, Sunday morning, we're not going to cover all of them, but uh, but we know that the Bible speaks a lot about finances and money. In fact, there are more verses about how to handle money than there is about eternal judgment. Can you believe that? And it's because that it's such a, 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 uh, a topic that, uh, that, is, uh, that is of great importance. In fact, the Gallup Poll surveyed families in America and asked, what is the big, biggest problem you face as a family? And the number one response was money and economic problems with health care coming in second. So we know that financial challenges are real, they are present, and that we deal with, with all kinds of financial pressure, not just the, the, uh, the, the, the meeting of expenses and provision for family, but even sometimes the maintenance of debt. We, we may have mortgages or car payments or student loans and all of these things that, that, that are there that, that, that create a lot of tension and stress. And so we look at it and say, well, what can we do as believers, as we look to God's Word for practical wisdom related to finance? What can we do? What can we find there? Dave Ramsey is, a, uh, is an author and a radio host. He also uh, has put together a, uh, a class called Financial Peace University, which our church has, has, uh, has gone through on uh, about four different occasions. Jeff and Janet Roark uh, lead this course. It's going to take place again this fall. And he gives statistics in the course. And, and some of what he shares is that, that uh, nearly half of American households have no savings at all. He says also that, uh, that 70% of all consumers live from paycheck to paycheck, and that he quotes a report saying that conflict over money is still the leading cause of divorce. So I probably don't have to convince you today that it's an important topic, but what I would like for us to do is to dig into the Word, to see together what are, what are those warnings, and what are the instructions that are given to us from the book of Proverbs that can give us insight and wisdom. I know we won't cover every single topic or every question, so let me very quickly give you a couple resources that you might want to consider. One I just mentioned, Dave Ramsey, and this course, uh, Financial Peace University, will be uh, offered uh, later in the fall, so you can keep your eye out for that. Also, there's been a longstanding ministry called Crown Ministries, and if you remember the late Larry Burkett wrote a number of books and resources that are still available, and you can go to Crown. Dot O-R-G if that is uh, of interest to you, some good biblically-based resources. Dave Ramsey said, Money is like a beautiful thoroughbred horse, very powerful and always in action. But unless this horse is trained when very young, it will be an out-of-control and dangerous animal when it grows to maturity. And so you can see the, the, uh, the uh, comparison that he's making. I want us to begin today. By thinking about the power of money or the power of acquiring money. And, uh, and, and there's really instruction here as well as warning. And there's positive along with the, the, the negative. And so, so as we think about the power of money today, let's begin in chapter 10 of Proverbs. We're going to see that, 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 that many verses in the book of Proverbs speak very positively about money and about resources and about working and acquiring that, uh, that this is part of what God has created us to do. We've been created in his image, the imago Dei, and God himself is a creator. He is an innovator. He is one who, who created this world and then, and then he allowed us to be stewards of his creation. And so even today, he, he wants us to use our gifts. He wants us to create and to produce and to innovate. He wants to see economies flourish. He wants to see communities strong, Provision made. And so, so all of these things bring us satisfaction, not because they're evil, but because we've been created to be part of that. In fact, that's uh, referred to as the creation mandate or the cultural mandate. That's part of what, what God wants and expects from us. And we see that throughout Scripture. In fact, Proverbs 10 is an example of it. Verses 4 and 5, they say a slack hand causes poverty but the hand of the diligent makes rich. He who gathers in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who brings shame. Now, we've seen many Proverbs this summer. We know that they're not promises, but they are principles. And the principle that we can extract from this is that, that laziness, or as it says here, uh, being slack, uh, leads one towards poverty. But hard work, good, good work ethic, doesn't promise riches, but it does, it does bring about provision. And that's the idea of what, what is uh, being uh, uh, communicated here. It also speaks of gathering in summer. And uh, we're going to look in a, in a little bit about what this looks like and how that is wise as we think about saving and preparing. But again, we see that God created us to care for the material world. And so being a part of, of business and work, being uh, involved in, in the creation of industry or supplies or services, this is part of your calling. This is, this is the, the theology of vocation. And, and for us to understand that God has created us for a purpose and that, 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 that a lot of that comes through what we do on a daily basis, that, 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 uh, that God has allowed us to work. He's given us the, the health or the ability to do these things. And we can do it for His glory. So as we begin, I want us to begin with a positive understanding of what the resources and the money uh, are all about. They can be viewed very positively, even though there are still some warnings that we also have to consider. Because money can also be very dangerous. As Dave Ramsey said, if you have an out-of-control horse, there's a lot of power there, and it can, it can bring, bring danger, and so can money and resources and finances, if they're out of control, they can be very dangerous. Let me just note a few of them that come from the book of Proverbs. The first one is that it can be a power that corrupts, meaning it can corrupt one's integrity. One might start off in business and have all kinds of principles and and, and checks and balances and, and be doing business by the book, but then the temptation comes in. But if I just move a little here, or if I don't report this, or a little of this, a little of that, I can get a little more, and that that, that appetite can be fed. In fact, Proverbs 11 verse 1 says it this way, the Lord abhors dishonest scales, but accurate weights are His delight. Now, we don't do probably most of our business with scales these days. But if you think back into the agrarian society, they would, they would have scales and someone comes to the market. They want to buy uh, a measure of, of wheat or, or, or seed or something. And so, so the, the scale is there and the, the one that's selling has a weight that, let's say, represents a pound. And then they, they put on the other side of the scale until it's even. They know they have a, a pound of, of this produce or wheat or whatever they're purchasing. But there were some who would use a dishonest weight. They'd say this was a pound, but it wasn't a full pound. And so someone's paying for a full pound, but they're not getting a full pound. You do that enough times, and what happens? The, the business owner can, can make a little skimming a little here, a little there, can create a lot. Well, what does it say? The Lord abhors this. This is, this is uh, nothing more than, than just deceptive business practices. And so that's the temptation where one's integrity could be corrupted. And we have to to keep an eye to allow that appetite to not become unhealthy to where it would cause corruption. It can also breed overconfidence. Interesting proverb out of chapter 30, uh, verses 8 and 9. It says, Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much... And disown you. Has anybody ever prayed that prayer? Just be honest. Think about it. All right. I may have too much and disown you, and say, Who is the Lord? Now, there's some similarity here from the book of Proverbs into the books of Genesis and Exodus. And as we think about the cultural mandate, the creation mandate, that connects into Genesis. This one connects into Exodus. Because if you remember, when Moses was leading the people of Israel out of Egypt and he was having conversations with the Pharaoh, the Pharaoh had a question at one point that he, that he asked of Moses. And you know what the question was? He said, who's the Lord? Who is the Lord? So if Moses is saying, these things may happen, these curses, these judgments, let my people go, and the Pharaoh says, who is the Lord? Who do you think Pharaoh thought was the Lord? Yeah, the Pharaoh, right? Well, what do you know? There's that question again. And who's asking it? Maybe the one who has so much that they think they've got all they need. They're very self-sufficient. They can get very overconfident. Who needs the Lord? I've got all I need. So that's one of the dangers. And I appreciate so much what we've been singing this morning. Brian was leading us in in placing our treasure and our focus upon Christ. Christ that he is sufficient, he is enough. Because if we're not careful, we can put our hope and our trust in the resources. In fact, it, it, it may be somewhat humorous that, that the American money has the little phrase, in God we trust. And I wonder if there's just really a lot of wisdom behind that. I don't know who, who put it there. I, I think it, it came about maybe in the 1950s or something like that. It's been there a while. But maybe someone was trying to give a warning there that, that yes, this is necessary. Yes, this this is what we need for the good of our society to keep things moving. But it's not ultimately where we place our trust, right? Our trust is in the Lord. So there's the warnings that are there. Here's another one. Money can give false security. Not only feed our pride, but give false security. Look at chapter 10. Verse 15, it says the wealth of the rich is their fortified city, but poverty is the ruin of the poor. Now, again, we've got to think back to ancient times. Maybe you've been in some of the the older ancient cities and you've seen that a fortified city had walls built around it. In fact, one that that I've been to many times is, is ancient Corinth in Greece. And uh, there is the city of Corinth, the ancient city, which is close to the water. But they also had this fortified city of ancient Greece. They call it Acro-Corinth. It's up on the top of a mountain. And as you look at it, you see these walls that protected the city. In fact, there were three different sets of walls, three different gates that one had to go through to get in to the city. And I always thought when I was up there and, uh, and looking at it, who got, to, who got to live up here? Who got to be here? In the city. You know, who, who, who would be able to have a place behind these walls? And obviously, it would be those who were wealthy. And what would they, what would they receive by living within the walls? Safety, security. They, they wouldn't have to worry as much about, about vandal, vandals or robbers, thieves. Maybe, maybe they wouldn't have to worry as much about even some, some natural weather occurrences and things because they have the safety of, of community. But it's interesting that as you look at Proverbs 10, thinking about the idea of a fortified city being security, it says the wealth of the rich is their fortified city. It doesn't say the rich live in the city. It says the wealth of the rich is their city. So what he's trying to communicate in this proverb is that the wealth of the rich become one's stability and security. They become the focus. He said it this way in chapter 18. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. The wealth of the rich is their fortified city. They imagine it an unscalable wall. Now, what's the unscalable wall? The wealth. Can't touch me here because I've got all the provision, all the security, the safety. But is that really true? Can money buy everything? I don't know if you remember, I think the guy's name was Jack Whitaker, if I remember right. He was a West Virginia man who was playing the lottery. And at the time, this has been several years back, but he won one of the largest lotteries in history. I forget the amount. Tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars, a lot of money. And it made made the press. But what, what made the press afterwards was how much heartache came upon him and upon his family. In fact, even, even the death of a, of a child or a grandchild and, a per, and, a, and their friend and there was drug overdoses, there was a breakup of family, it was just an absolute mess. But how many people, when they saw that, would have, would have been considering boy i 'd like to trade places with that guy i 'd like to have, have those, those resources, but in, in his case it didn't it didn 't work out well that 's because we can 't put our, our security in these resources. That can't be the ultimate security. Again, what does it say in in verse 10? The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. It doesn't mean that that money is wrong or bad or evil. We've already talked about that. it's, It's created for a purpose and it can be a very good purpose. But when it becomes a substitute or an imitation for what God is wanting to provide, that's when it becomes a problem. Just think about what Christ accomplished at Calvary. Think about that exchange of of one laying down his life for another. Think about the sacrifice, the free gift. We couldn't even purchase or earn or deserve what Christ was giving to us. Salvation by faith alone in him. That's where our security is. In fact, the the, the, the The author of Proverbs is is referring to the righteous run into it. We know that that today we think of the righteousness of Christ, being believers and followers of him, that we are covered by him. That's where our security is. That's where we understand that we have a treasure. In fact, there is a little parable that, uh, that you'll find where it speaks of Christ being like the treasure hidden in a field. Remember that one? And how the man found it and he went and sold everything else so that He could buy the field. Well, that's the the right ordering. doesn't mean that that money and resources and finances are unimportant. I think we know that the Bible says they are, and they need to be handled carefully. But they aren't the most important. We don't want to trade them for the stability, security, the salvation, the treasure that's found only in Christ. Well, that's the power, the power of money. Let's quickly look at some principles for handling money. Because, uh, again, the... The scriptures get very, very helpful with some principles. Again, chapter 3, verse 9. Honor the Lord with your wealth. Say, okay, Lord, how do we do that? How do we have the, uh, the, 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 the wherewithal to honor you? How do we honor you with what you have provided? Here are three things, three things that you can do. Once you've earned the money, there's three things you can do with it. You can save it, you can spend it, and you can share it. And I know we've got a lot of young people that are with us in this service. And uh, we had some in the first service too. And I would say, this is one area of life that if as a child, as a young person, as a college student, you can begin to embrace biblical principles of finance. It It will not only save you pain, but it also has the potential of giving you tremendous blessing. Would anybody older than the age of college students agree with that? And I tell you, if the, the earlier you start, particularly when you start thinking about saving and investing and the idea of compound interest and so forth, it is in your favor as a young person. Even if you say, well, I'm not to the point in life where I'm earning a lot. I don't have that. But, but those habits, those principles, those values of, of, what, of, of how you, you view the importance of something they are shaped now; those appetites, and so I, I encourage, obviously, everyone, even if you've already finished college. I'm, we're talking to all of us today, right? But I just want to emphasize to our young people: these are these are these are things that if you could if you could grab them and hang on to them now, you will you will be living so differently than your peers. In fact, I, I know Dave Ramsey has a has a statement, something along the lines of "Live like nobody else." What does he say? So that you can. Live like nobody else. Well, it has to start somewhere. And, uh, and so, again, think about these principles. First one is this. Save money intentionally. Save money intentionally. And uh, as Americans, would you say we're pretty good at this? No. We've already looked at some statistics. We don't do a good job with this. Uh, we have a mentality where we want things now. We want to get things quickly. And, and oftentimes, in order to do that, we, we leverage debt against it. And uh, not that debt is always wrong or it shouldn't ever be used, but it should be used very carefully, right? Uh, and so saving is, is a principle that if we, if we will embrace it, it will give a lot of blessing. I think Proverbs chapter 6 is interesting because so much of Proverbs is speaking to the son. But this one here is like it's speaking to someone who's, who's really struggled with, uh, with uh, um uh, with discipline, because he says, Go to the ant, you sluggard, consider her ways and be wise, which having no captain, overseer, or ruler, provides her supplies in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. So it's the idea that that there is there are seasons to life. And if you think about it from an agricultural standpoint, there's a season of harvest. But there's also a season when you can't collect the harvest. But in the middle of winter, you'll be glad you collected it, that you provided for it. And even before the harvest, obviously, is the, is the sowing of seed and, and those kinds of things. So, so life can be that way, too. There can be seasons where there is plenty, seasons where, there, where there's a lot to gather. But then we can have those seasons, either either uh, from bad circumstances, from the loss of, of employment, through, through uh Uh, uh, through unexpected expenses, we can find shortages. And so that's where this idea of Proverbs 6 comes into play. Also, Proverbs 21, verse 20. It says, Precious treasure and oil are in a wise man's dwelling, but a foolish man devours it. So we see the connection of wisdom being applied to saving. And we see foolishness being connected to the one who just devours all of it. And in this case, talking about, about treasure and oil, the principle here is that we need to, pr- to store up provisions for the future. Even in a modern economy, saving puts you in a stronger financial position, even when you think about buying things. Again, thinking through the idea of, 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 of debt and, and, and trying to leverage resources, if you are one who has saved, you'll be in a much better position, even as we look at the, at the next point, and that is spending. We want to spend money wisely. Again, with the idea of how do we honor the Lord with, uh, with, our, with our resources, we want to even understand that in the way we spend money, He can be honored. It begins by realizing that, that all we have belongs to Him, right? That we're, we're stewards, which means we're managers. He owns it all. He's entrusted some of it to us, and we want to be faithful. And so that, that faithfulness is even in how we spend our money. And in fact, there's a, a couple of Proverbs here. Proverbs 12, 14 says, From the fruit of his mouth a man is satisfied with good, and the work of a man's hand comes back to him. And so you can see that, that obviously there was some spending that took place here. He, he's, he's being satisfied with something that is good. He's worked. He's earned. There's daily provision that needs to be made. And so that's a good thing to provide for one's family. It's good to provide for the, the needs of, of, of life. In fact, Proverbs 28 Verse 19, whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits will have plenty of poverty. You can almost hear Solomon speaking to his son saying, make sure you see which direction you're going. Make sure that you have this good work ethic. Be responsible. Take care of your own needs. Be intentional about the way that uh, that you spend your money wisely. Some of it just comes down to how we plan. Now think about it. When, when it comes to time, we have to plan carefully, don't we? We only have so much time in the week, and some of you are already thinking about this is the first day of the week, I've got these events coming up this week, I have these appointments coming up this week, some of you have business trips coming up, and more than likely you keep your calendar, most of you probably keep it electronically, don't you? In fact, some of you probably use a calendar that even syncs in with your phone, and, and as you get close to an appointment, what happens? That phone gives you a little notification, an alert. How many, you all do that, don't you? I'd say probably most of the people in the room utilize some type of a calendar system like that. Why do we do that? Because we understand how valuable time is. And that if we don't plan it out carefully, we won't use it wisely. The same is true with money. We know that we only have a certain amount of resources to utilize, and yet we oftentimes are not as careful or diligent about the planning of our finances as we are with our time. And yet, that's exactly what's being called for here throughout the book of Proverbs. In fact, when you plan your spending, it's called a what? What's it called? Yeah, a budget. Does anybody like that word? Probably not. But it's a useful one. It's, it's, it, 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 it's something that, that if, it's, if it's properly and diligently applied will help bring about the things that we're talking about today. And if there's not one, it's going to be really difficult to see these things happen. Here's what John Maxwell says. He says, a budget is telling your money where to go instead of wondering where it went. Author and pastor Ken Hempill said in his book, Making Change, Americans presently spend $1.20 for every dollar they earn. Did you hear that? That's amazing that that's even possible, isn't it? Spend $1.20 after you've earned a dollar. Well, there's only one way that can happen. And what's that called? Debt. That's right. And it's, it's available, right? They even, they, even, they even call them easy payments, don't they? I don't know how easy they are, but that's, that's the mindset we sometimes can, 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 uh, can have. But yet Proverbs speaks to it. Chapter 22, verse 7. The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is the slave of the lender. Young people, if you're still with me, write down that verse, Proverbs 22, 7. Think about what that means. None of us want to be in bondage to someone or something else, and yet that's exactly what debt, when improperly used, can become. And so, this is something, again, learning contentment, learning to live within one's means, learning to, to have appetites that, that fit within the, the proper construct of one's budget. These are things, lessons, that if they can be learned young, can really, really make a difference later in life. And obviously, the same is true on um, the hard lessons when they're not learned. Well, we save intentionally, we want to spend wisely. How else can we honor the Lord with our wealth? Number three. Share money generously. And the reason I put that one third is that it's the other two that really help us get to this point where we can share with others. It's again, part of the character of God to be generous, to give, to help, to assist. You think of Christ's earthly ministry coming alongside and assisting those that have needs. That's part of our calling as Christians and as a church is, is to help those in a time of need, to help one another, to help those in our community. And so we see passages like Proverbs nineteen seventeen, Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his deed. So it's saying God blesses those who are helping those in need. You can think of Matthew chapter 25, another passage that speaks clearly about when we help one in need, that it's as if we're helping the Lord himself in doing so. So we want to keep an eye eye out for, for assisting others, being in a position to give bountifully by saving and spending appropriately, we're in a position where we really can help. And, and, and how much of a blessing is it when you're in a position where you're able to come alongside and give someone a little encouragement, help them get a step up, assist them in a time of need? The former Prime Minister of England Margaret Thatcher said no one would remember the good Samaritan if he didn't have money. So he was not only generous, but he actually had the resources to be generous, to be able to help the one in need. So as we think about financial planning, we want to incorporate the idea that we want to share generously. We want to support the work of the gospel. In fact, we, we think about that as a church, that, that as we worship the Lord, there's a lot of ways that worship takes place. It happens as we sing, as we pray, happens as we as we look to his word. But we also worship when we give to him, whenever we 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 save the tithe and the offering to bring to support his ministry and his work uh, on this earth. That's part of what we do in worship. In fact, it's referenced in Proverbs 3, 9 that we read earlier. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. This idea of first fruits giving that God has given to us and we give back to him. And then from there, we see the blessing that's referenced in verse 10. And so oftentimes, that's, that's, that's the mindset, the understanding that, that God takes, the gifts that we've given, He blesses them, He multiplies them, He uses them, He blesses even what we still have remaining, makes it go even further at times so that we can be faithful in supporting His gospel ministry on this earth. Well, I know there's a lot of other things that, I'm sure it could be said. We've covered a lot of ground. But what I want us to see as we wrap up this morning is that God has indeed, He has indeed given us instruction. He's given us both warnings and principles that, that if we heed them, if we, if we listen, we can see that, that it's out of His love that He's wanting us to guide our steps forward. Nothing that we've read out of the book of Proverbs here, has been vindictive or or, or given to us out out of animosity. It's all meant to help. It's meant to encourage. It's meant to instruct so that we can avoid some of the pitfalls that come due to mismanagement or misunderstanding of finances. But again, as I said earlier, let us wrap up by thinking that our greatest treasure, remembering that our greatest treasure is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that maybe today there are some among us Maybe you've lived for years and and your pursuit of stability, your pursuit of security has only been found in the material realm. Well, maybe that's been a hunger that hasn't yet been satisfied because it's not been moved under the dominion of Jesus Christ. Today can be the day where you call out and say, Lord, I want you. I want you as my treasure. I want you as my Lord. I want you to, to just take my life and put the pieces back together. Make me yours. And so maybe today, this is a day that's not just about thinking about finances, but thinking about true, eternal security in Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, we thank you that your word is true. We are thankful that you loved us enough to give us principles to live by. And God, we pray in faith now that you, as our God, will be at the forefront of our thinking, the ordering of our priorities, the steps that we take in managing the resources you've entrusted to us. We thank you that we live in a nation that has been blessed abundantly, and we pray, Lord, that that abundance does not become idolatry. Guard our hearts. Help us with our perspective. And from there, Lord, we pray that we can be obedient to your word, that we can indeed Uh, receive the blessings that you give by, by, by aligning our steps financially with the guidance that you've given to us here in the book of Proverbs. We thank you that above all things, you are our security. You are the one who holds all things together. You are the one that has made a provision for our eternity. And so, Lord, we thank you that ultimately we rest in you, that our treasure is Jesus Christ, And we pray that you will keep that on our minds even in the daily life as we try to make financial provision day to day. Father, we even ask now for your blessing upon the offering that's received. Again, as part of our worship and our adoration of you, we give back cheerfully to you. And we ask, Lord, for you to bless what is received. May you use it here locally, but also abroad as your gospel message goes forth. We thank you that we can give back and we pray now your blessing.